Hello, folks, and welcome to episode three of the Sense and Theory podcast. I'm Sense. And I'm Theory. And today we are going to take things to the home front. Uh, that's the place where it all goes down, uh, the place where change begins, the, the place everything trickles down to. Uh, we are the ants among the elephants. So I think we're going to start off by talking about what the best use of the average person's efforts are to affect change and, and change the world we live in, hopefully for the better. Um, Theory, you got any thoughts here? You want to you kick it off? Uh, I think, uh, you know, as far as the little guy at home, I think the most important thing that uh, people can do is talk to each other. Um, I think that that is where we're, we're losing stuff and where things are going wrong right now is that we're not uh, having enough conversations uh, amongst our, our circles. And, and when we do have those conversations, we're definitely uh, pussyfooting around issues and stuff. And, and, and we don't want to be looked at as like as that guy, as yeah, the guy yeah. who's, uh, who's insensitive culturally. Or, or, or worse, uh, it actually skews into situations where you're yelling at each other. So it's like there's nothing in the middle. It's either it it is a situation where all of a sudden this person I've known for years said this one thing and that means that they're a hateful bastard and I can't ever talk to him before or sure. again. Or you guys just sit there and play patty cake and never really resolve I, anything. I lost a friend over the over the Trump election, honestly. I, oh, I really? called him one day and said, So like are we are we not cool anymore? Like we'd had this discussion about Trump and uh, he was very passionately pro-Trump, and uh, I was I was pretty pretty darn anti-Trump, um, and I felt like when he left my house, we were at kind of an impasse. So I actually picked up the phone and, and called him and was like, "Hey, like, you know, are we are we cool? Like, what's going on?" He said, "Oh no, no, we're fine." But I haven't heard from him since. Oh man, <laughs> that was eight months ago. So so there is, I think, there is uh, a very real fear that politics. And, and issues that we stand strong on are so divisive that they actually have the potential to divide us. And, mm-hmm. and I think we've gotten to the point where we, when we do have these discussions, we do them in, in what we perceive to be a safer space, like, uh, like Facebook, for example. Well, I, I would say, I was actually, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm really glad that we're, that, that you and I are doing this podcast, um, because I got to tell you, man, I felt like a punk and I felt like a punk for a long time because I realized that I was keeping myself from saying things on social media, you know, like uh, especially on Facebook. And it's because, you know, I, I know I have friends that disagree with me. I have friends, uh, family that disagree with me. And, you know, I've, oftentimes I, I haven't hesitated to speak my mind but at first like i justified it in my head that i was picking my battles and and then i was like uh well you know i just i just i just don't want the hassle you know (laughs) so it kind of becomes like the heckler's veto it's not it's not necessarily that i'm afraid for anybody to know that i just don't want to go through all that yeah it's a pain in the butt one of the things that i changed was you know we we have a, a circle of friends and anytime that i i've seen i've tried to make it a point that anytime that i see them, uh, you know, making a post that's about what we're talking about, about having these conversations or about being rational or about, you know, not necessarily like one side or the other. I always try to support it. Like I always try to come through and like say something and kind of lend my support because I think that that's, 
that's where the focus and the emphasis should be right now is on normalizing um, that stuff. And even when I see somebody say something that's... And you're not talking, you lend your support to their side of the issue. You, you lend no. support... To, to the to the conversation, dis- right? To that discussion happening, right? So yeah, even if I even sometimes when I see somebody saying something that you know may be out of bounds, like I have no problem coming through and saying, "Man, you know, I I, <laughs> I don't know if you're right about this, but you know, I know you, man. Like I I know that you know you have your your best interests in the heart, and I and I'll happily defend them from anybody that comes through. It's like, oh well, you're just a racist or whatever. Well, that's you know, that's so. funny because I think we have to be careful. You know, I mentioned earlier, I feel like there's this retreat to what we perceive to be a safer space, like like social media, where we can delete anyone's comment we don't like. I've, I've been blocked mm-hmm. on threads um, where I've had conversations with people politically uh, many times. Many times I've been blocked. So I, I feel like that's a, that's a place we go to and we say, I have control over my wall. Mm-hmm. So I'll talk about these issues here. If you make me too mad, I'm going to make you shut up. Yeah. You know, if we're talking about it at the bar, uh, it might lead to a fist fight. I think a lot of people feel strongly enough about most of the really divisive issues that we're facing today that a lot of people would fight over them. Um, I mean, I think the whole punch a Nazi thing is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we normalize this type of of fear and, and violence over political opinion, we lose the ability to talk about it together um, with each other. And, and it's much more important to, to do so one, because ideas are, are organic and you're sitting at Facebook and you've got an hour to think about what you say. How many people have typed out a comment, hit enter and immediately deleted it. Yep. Um, you know, you, you can't do that in a face to face conversation and, right. and something organic arises out of that. Another problem I really have with social media is that we, we cannot trust those voices to be actual people's voices. Um, you know, Facebook spreads your your posts far and wide, and people can comment from from all over the place. And and frankly, there there are large armies of voices out there who are who are paid voices. Mm-hmm. So so when you look to social media to have a conversation about something that's important, I think we have to acknowledge that we as humans are influenceable, and and when we when we see, I mean, they you know, if you see a, a YouTube video with a million views. Mm-hmm. You are much more likely to click that video. It doesn't matter what the what the title is. Doesn't matter what the thumbnail is. It's got a million views. You're going to click it over the video that has a thousand views. So in the in the same way, we're very influenced by by the likes on a comment, um, and and whether we recognize it or not, and, and maybe some of us are above that influence. I'm not saying it's it's a hundred percent. Everyone's everyone's susceptible. My point is that when you have thousands of people who are paid to espouse a viewpoint and, and elevate things that, uh, that fit their narrative and, and remove or denigrate or, um, uh, what's the word, um, discredit Disc- yeah. views that they disagree with, then we're at this weird place where, where not only is this the most unsafe place to have this conversation, but it's actually dangerous uh, because you may be, you may be, you may have the truth, you may have, uh, you know, the the objective, correct viewpoint. Yet there are a hundred people who are paid to come through and shut you down. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think that 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 might even be my biggest concern 
with um, the whole issue regarding, uh, you know, people, like you said, paid responders and, and the bots, uh, the bot oh, issue Lord. is, <laughs> which we'll get to. Um, but you got is, money invested in Twitter, folks. Is, is actually the, the, the free speech implications because you can, you can very effectively drown out uh, dissent. You can drown out, uh, you know, uh, differing viewpoints and stuff. But I also think it's a problem uh, looking at it from the other way. Just this morning, uh, the, the day that we're recording this is the day that uh, Donald Trump went in on the uh, the mayor of San Juan uh, over the recent hurricane relief. And this one person comes through and they're like, no, they've been sending relief. in a 10,000 boots on the ground. Yeah. As far as and I know. Somebody had posted a video of a general saying, you know, we, we haven't used the armed forces or anything like that. And so this this other person, I think it's a person. Uh, responded, no, the Navy's been there since the hurricane hit, and they posted evidence. And all these people in the thread just started going, oh, that's a known bot, da-da-da-da-da. Holy And so smokes. here's the thing. like, So I clicked on, the, I clicked on the, the evidence, and it was evidence that the Navy had been there. So I don't know if that's a bot or not. But what I do know is that that directly refuted what appears to be a lie, and it was dismissed because everybody was like, that's a known bot. So this is like the total opposite side yeah. of, of the problem here. This causes a problem everywhere if we don't know. On the other hand, is it relevant that that, that was posted by a bot? Yeah. If the evidence is evidence and, and the statement is factual. That's my point. Is now that evidence dismissed? If Okay, so then if I turn around and I say, well, here's evidence that the Navy was there. Oh, but, you know, I've seen bots spreading that. So now that's going to get doubted. Yeah. Like it's fake Speaking news. of fake news, let's talk about uh, correct the record. Oh boy! I mean, we've got a group of people who are paid by Hillary Clinton's super PAC, and and because of loopholes in FC, FEC rules, uh, the PAC can coordinate directly with the campaign, and they had a one million dollar budget uh, to control Reddit comments. And, and I know for a fact a lot of the information that they presented uh, was not factual. When you say, when you say like, control Reddit comments, like... What? Okay, so Reddit is a discussion board. You can upvote and downvote. As you downvote something, it disappears. As you upvote something, it appears higher in the conversation. So, given a number of accounts under control, you can effectively hide or show parts of the conversation that you disagree with or agree with. Hmm. Now, this is a website people spend inordinate amounts of time on. Um, I think Reddit is maybe the number two website in the world, number four. It's it's on the list somewhere. Um, people spend an inordinate amount of time there, and, and a lot of time, most of the time is spent through the comments. And it's, it's really interesting. Uh, I was a Redditor many, many years ago and it, and I felt like it used to be a source of discussion. And in all of the rules of Reddit, you are not supposed to downvote opinions that you disagree with. You're supposed to downvote low quality replies, mm -hmm. um, and replies that are off topic, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not what it is. It's a, it's a, this is the truth button. Yeah, or this no, is not the truth button. Yeah, it's been, I, I'm on Reddit quite a bit myself, and it does, it's very much so. I would say the, the one like nice place 
about uh, Reddit is have you seen Change My Mind? I've not seen Change My Change Mind. Change My sounds Mind. Brilliant. Change My Mind is probably like the last place on Reddit. Where, I think we you know, can probably not apply. find correct the record there. But no, you will not find correct um, the record there. Because seriously, these people went through and and just absolutely shredded anyone who was anti-Hillary and, and morphed the conversation from any hint of policy to to identity politics, to mm-hmm. you hate her because she's a woman, uh, to, you know, you're blah, blah, you know, all the narratives. You know, yeah. We all know the narratives that get used. All our, all our old friends. If you try, if you say you're anti-Hillary, um, it can't be because of her policy. It can't be because of her voting record. Um, there's, there's always some identity issues there mm-hmm. uh, that get thrown around instead. And not to say that some people don't like Hillary because she's a woman. I'm not, I'm not saying that yeah, clearly, because those I mean, people exist, but there are absolutely. also people who have legitimate gripes with Hillary Clinton that are shut down mm-hmm. um, as if they are sexist. Which is, and I'd say like, so that that's one of the main complaints for me about Reddit anyway, right? Is that when you, when you go there and, and you look at these headlines and oftentimes, you know, not only did the person who actually posted it not look into the link that they're posting. But now here are hundreds of comments that didn't look into anything and they're just, you know, and they're upvoting. So now this, this post or this, uh, this Reddit thread is trending that, uh, uh, you know, the government's going to come in and and just throw everybody in, in concentration camps and stuff. And nobody clicked to see what the actual bill says. So then when you take somebody and you pay them to make that even worse, I mean, and, and, and looking at how many young people and, and, you know, probably some older people, but definitely young people like rely on Reddit or at least up until recently did for most of their news. Absolutely. You know, I mean, yeah, it can, it can definitely have a, a serious impact on uh, how people view the world to the point where, I mean, they, they do. They get the idea that they're under constant attack and constant threat. And- so this this just broke on CNN and <laughs> I think it's a little funny. I don't, I don't want to get too deep into it, but there is a blacktivist, blacktivist Facebook account mm-hmm. um, that posts really racially um, inciting videos and stuff. Uh, and, it, and it pushes the narrative that, uh, that black people are uh, oppressed and, and beaten by police, which, uh, you know, you, you, got, you got no argument from me there. And we'll get into that in another show. I know we keep saying next show, next show, but but it's coming and, and we can't possibly go down that road on this show this hour. But my point is that this account came up as a result of this uh, federal digging into Facebook advertisers. And this account has 360,000 likes versus the official Black Lives Matter account, which has 301,000 likes. And... This account um, is tied to Russian IP addresses and is now being used in the narrative that Russia is is you know controlling uh, our social media with propaganda. Mm-hmm. So, so we've got Russian actors with a state budget mm-hmm. operating on social media as if they're just regular people. Um, stoking the fires of racism, stoking the fires of division. Um, now, I'd say it's just an IP address. We don't know if it's Russian actors, but man, right. they, they tied it to, 
you know, some Russian intelligence agency there's, tenuously. There's, at this point, there's as much chance that it is as it's not. You know what I mean? I mean, in fact, no, I, I take that back. It's probably more likely that it is. Um, here, here's the thing I'd say about that, though, because I actually I did look into it. And I, I kind of scanned through um, some of the Blacktivist uh, Facebook page. And to tell you the truth, I'm not saying that it's it's not out there. I'm not perfect. You know, maybe somebody could send us some stuff that I didn't see. Love to. But what I saw, what the, the post that I saw on there would not be out of place on like Sean King's Twitter or on. Wait, Sean King, you're talking about like the liberal talking head mouthpiece? Yeah, yeah, yeah kind of, I mean, yeah, I think he writes for the Times right now. Um and uh, a couple other places. But yeah, I mean, Sean King, I mean, that the stuff that's on there is completely in step with the stuff that Sean King posts on the regular. So so here's what I'm saying. I, on one hand, yeah, we have to be very wary of any time that a foreign power like is going to try to, you know, insidiously manipulate us. But at the same time, it's not like, um, I mean, I think they're just amplifying a message that's already out there. Well, so as far as causing division, that division is, is well underway. Like that division is being flamed by both sides every day. Sure. And, and I don't know that this in particular, that this Blacktivist post, I don't know that it's doing anything above and beyond. It, the problem is it's possible. What about, what, what about when this money gets put behind... Um, a political campaign directly. I mean, let's talk about Robert Mercer, um, the tech billionaire programmer who put money behind Donald Trump's campaign. Uh -huh. And some people say uh, using an army of Twitter bots, et cetera, et cetera, to, uh -huh. uh, to promote his posts and tweets uh -huh. um, and build this false buzz brought Donald Trump to his rise. Well, I think... I think you can say that, but I would also point out that that same Robert Mercer put his full weight behind Ted Cruz before Ted Cruz ultimately dropped out of the race. So my question is, why isn't Ted Cruz president? Hmm. Because there has to be something else, right? There's an X factor. So these things, they have an impact on us. I, I agree with you there. My question is, how deep an impact does it have? And I'm not saying that we shouldn't limit it or look at it, monitor it. But at the same time, I think, and especially with Russia, especially with Russia, I've, you know, I've seen some stuff about Robert Mercer and everything, but it pales in comparison to the Russian narrative right now. We have decided that the only reason that Donald Trump is president and that Hillary is not is because of Russian meddling. Right, and, because of propaganda and influence. And I, and I, I, feel I think like that simplifies things way too much. Well, I feel like you're maybe not giving it as much weight as it deserves. Um, I did, I pulled... I, I did my research today, and I, I pulled some quotes I'd like to share, um, at least one here. Uh, this is from Simon Crosby, the chief technology officer at a firm called called Bromium. And sure, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm name dropping. I'm trying to establish credibility with him. He's really, he's not necessarily a somebody when it comes to this stuff. He works at a tech firm. Yeah, he works um, at yeah. But he says, fooling humans into doing things in the electronic realm turned out to be really easy. And, and I think it's easier than we like to admit to ourselves, and it's easier than we really give credit for. Um, I, I'd like to, our viewers, if you're interested in the topic, go check out Sam Woolley, um, Samuel Woolley. He calls this process manufacturing consensus. Uh, we'll drop some links in the show notes. But really, this has been studied very well. And, and humans, we are incredibly susceptible 
to influence in the social media sphere. When we're when we're scanning articles, our brain goes into um, into a mode where where it's set to absorb, and 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 we get endorphins um, as a as a response to absorbing this information. That's part of the reason uh, Reddit is the number four site in the world. Is um, people are literally addicted to the chemicals that are released in their brains, and those chemicals also reinforce um beliefs and memories as uh as you're absorbing the information mm-hmm. so there's this uh this factor that is it's it's very real and i think and i think we have to be careful not to uh not to ignore it not to minimize it and say well it's a small part of why why trump got elected i don't think i don't think that like you said ted cruz didn't get elected right. he he failed you know there um there are some girls that are just too ugly. You put makeup on them and put them in a nice dress, and you know, I still yeah, wouldn't no, take her out. No, I definitely. I heard the. Uh, I've heard many people say that uh, you know they couldn't vote for Cruz because he uh, they, he reminded them of a car salesman. Yeah. You know? So so you know I, yeah personality definitely comes into play. I, I guess what I'm saying is is that you have a you have valid concerns, and and I share many of them about um, how easily affected we are. These are the same concerns that I would have, you know, uh, with the advertising industry or, you know, with, uh, with straight up like wartime propaganda, mm-hmm. you know, I mean that, that's the whole reason there is a thing called wartime propaganda is that, you know, people are, um, easily influenced. Well, ironically, um, one of the fathers of, of advertising was originally a government propagandist, uh, Edward mm-hmm. Bernays kind of wrote the handbook. Um, he's like the OG Don Draper, um, and and we realized after after doing a lot of research and figuring out how to manipulate opinion during wartime, um, mm-hmm. once the war was over, these guys looked around and said, "Well, shit! If yeah. we can manipulate opinion in wartime, we can manipulate it for you, Philip Morris." Yeah. Um, and and the reason we've had to rein in uh, tobacco, big tobacco, mm-hmm. is because of their their effect. Well. Because of an incredibly addictive product, but yeah, yeah. also because uh, advertising works and and works yeah. works too well. In it a does. Lot of cases. Here's here's something that I would bring up though. So we have all these studies that are coming out of the woodworks about um, you know this this boom on social media and and uh, you know again all the stuff that we're talking about bots and and, and paid posts and all that good stuff. Propaganda um, and influence. We'll here's here's one is. of the themes that I've noticed across quite a few of them, and I was actually I was uh, reading one the other day, and the gentleman conducting the study said, you know, when you look at the election of Trump and you know the Brexit decision, here we have two political mistakes. That, so so wait a minute. So this guy is looking for foreign influence on elections, and he's starting from the standpoint that both of these decisions were necessarily a mistake. So we're, we're convinced that we're looking, we're putting the cart before the horse. Like we're looking for this, this foul play that caused something unnatural to come about. And if we look for that, I'm sure we can find it. Sure. Confirmation. We're going, yeah, we're going to lose a lot in the process is what I'm saying. So for instance, actually the guy that you brought up earlier, Sam Woolley, Uh, He had this to say. This is actually a direct quote uh, from his website. Uh, He said, we must ask ourselves, 
What aspects of the internet are intrinsic to democracy and are they divisible from those necessary for control? Freedom and speech and the right to privacy are essential to democracy and need to be preserved online. When it comes to harm, and specifically to one's right to free speech infringing upon another citizen's well-being or rights, we must establish boundaries. I completely agree that data collection and all this stuff, it's like the wild, wild west right now. People are doing crazy stuff. That guy Mercer, uh, Cambridge Analytica, is one of the most awful things that I've ever heard about. But at the same time, I very much so see governments uh, like Australia and, and other places already starting to, as, as Wooly says, target the tool and not the uses. Right. And, 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 and that's, this is one of those things where both sides of the issue can be played to our disadvantage. Mm-hmm. And it's up to us as the small guy to figure out where we go from here. I mean, I could quickly see how the idea of bots controlling the narrative on the internet could be used to clamp down on our freedom of speech. For example, um, I could see a, a push to require ID to engage on social media. I don't think that's terribly far-fetched um, if if the fears and the fires get get stoked too high. And while that could protect freedom of speech to an extent... Um, you know, you'd know that it wasn't a bot, yeah. but it could also have a very chilling effect on on free speech. If now all it takes is one court order to fork over someone who's speaking out against the government. I mean, we saw the Donald Trump administration uh, push to reveal records of a private website owner mm-hmm. um, and and reveal what accounts were were on the platform. And it was an anti somewhat anti-Trump platform. So, yeah. I could very quickly see that having a negative effect on on freedom of speech. Well, and, and I think it's also it's like I was saying uh, when when you you know they're they're talking about targeting the tool and there are uses for bots. Sure, um, there there are plenty of things that that bots can help do as far as like indexing and queuing information and sure and, and various things like that. I think <clears throat> I think what it comes down to, kind of like we touched on earlier, is the the core problem here, right? is the use and it's the propaganda, right? So I think we fight this the same way that we fight propaganda. And the two two of the most effective ways to fight propaganda is A, to spotlight its source, which means to, you know, when, when this stuff hits, is to drag it out into the sunlight and say, this is where it came from. Maybe, maybe it's valid, maybe it's not, but this is who's telling you that, you know, is to, to basically remove that anonymity. And then when propaganda gets exposed as false, uh, you know, coming from this source to widely disseminate it, be like, look here, this person said this, and this is, this is logically, uh, uh, unstable. I I tend to agree with you, but I guess, how do we highlight its source when it's a private company that, that owns the data, like the IP address of the, the person who owns the account? How do we highlight that source? I mean, right now we go through a court, we get a warrant, Mm -hmm. um, and and they pull it, but there there have to be uh, a lot of factors that that lead up to that happening. And again, with with the effect of chilling free speech, if if it's no longer an anonymous platform, I'm afraid that we lose a lot of voices, especially in such a divisive um, such a divisive state that we're in now. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things 
that I think people are afraid of saying online mm-hmm. because they're afraid of the repercussions and not just the repercussions of people hearing what they say and thinking something about them, but of, of a Trump administration using the courts to pull records and, right. and who knows what they do. You know, they put you on a watch list, uh, you know, maybe, uh, I, there's a lot of calls for, uh, for revolution. I don't, you don't no, want to talk yeah. about it, but, yeah. but seriously, there, this is, this is something that after this election has come up in, in a serious way. And, and this administration, if any, uh, would absolutely use the court system to pull, information on anti-Trump dissidents in order to quash what they perceived as a, as a mm-hmm. rebellion. So, so when I, uh, when I call for transparency in this case, I, I have, I'm very split and I have you know much the same concerns as you do. Like I was you know saying earlier, I, we do have a culture where people are afraid to say things, even with the anonymity. And we even see on Twitter that there's a push like a, a an anti anonymity push, like, you know, with the verified Twitter users. And now, um, there, there's people saying that if you don't have a picture of yourself, well, then you're probably a bot, you mm-hmm. know? So, so they're almost like, uh, maybe I'm just ugly policing. Yeah, true that, but they're almost like, uh, policing themselves. And I, and I worry about like where that goes. So I think we get back to what is the core problem here. Right. And the core problem is, is us. And so, yes, this stuff has a profound influence, but the way we combat that is somewhat by, by watching it, monitoring it, and regu- regulating it. But the best way to solve it to me is to fix us and to put us on a stable footing. Sure. So one of the things with, uh, I think, the Blacktivist post that we mentioned earlier was that the grammar was atrocious. Like, it, it wasn't really that hard to figure out that this person did not speak English as, as a first language. Right. So am I saying that I expect everyone to have caught on to that? No, but let's get that fact out there. Hey, hey, you know, I, I don't know if this is like a good faith actor who lives in the heartland of Nebraska. Right. Because he, you know, so let's, you know, get that out there and let's talk to each other. I, and- I think that's a valid point. I, I think if we all start understanding that, People are out there, armies of people are out there whose sole mission in life is to persuade us right. in the social media realm, then that does weaken their position. It absolutely yep. weakens their position. And and maybe the answer is to offer up some sort of like dual regulation. Maybe corporations should not be allowed to anonymously uh, voice their opinions on the internet. Uh, maybe we need to do something like we do with attorneys and they have a disclaimer that says this is an advertisement. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's a very good reason that they have to do it. And I think, I think there's a strong case to be made there for protecting the average person's anonymous speech, which I think we can all agree is fairly essential. Uh, it's a fairly essential check, mm-hmm. uh, on power in a democratic society. Well, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely a juggling act. Right. Like it, we, we do have all those components. You know, we 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 need transparency for some without eradicating the, the anonymity of others. These are these are all like and, and this goes to most of what we're going to talk about on the show. It's all very complex, very nuanced issues. And the only way that I think that we can you can't come up with like a blanket solution like oh well we'll just you know regulate the hell out of bots or we'll just you know it's cool, man. We'll just trust people to figure it out on their own. So we've got to sit down have these conversations and and kind of come to a consensus together and then start affecting things from the ground up. I say the first place that we start is local politics, man. I mean, I, I think 
we largely ignore local politics. You think local politics are are effective? Yeah, dude. I think I think local politics. I think people completely blow past how much influence local politics has on your life and and how much more of a direct and immediate influence. So for instance, you know, we we've got Roe v. Wade that's back there, you know, 30 or 40 some odd years and and yes, that 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 was a sweeping change that changed the country and yet there are still issues with access for abortion in Kentucky that are a direct result of the Kentucky legislature. Yeah, I guess I guess when I think about Kentucky too, um, you know, our Obamacare rollout was the lauded as the best Obamacare rollout in the country. And that Mm -hmm. was a direct result of, uh, of our local politicians, you know, trying to do things right. Yeah. I mean, sometimes these initiatives, they come from up top, but these are the people that have to get into the nuts and bolts. And if we go back, if we hearken back to last episode, one of my favorite amendments is all powers not given to the government lie with the states. Right. Right. So, I mean, the states do have an enormous amount of power and they have an enormous amount of power on, a much smaller and more focused scale than and the I federal think, government. And does. I think when we're talking about power and your power to influence something, uh, obviously the more people a politician represents, the less of his total power you control. Yeah. Um, in other words, on a, the smaller you get down the scale towards uh, towards your locale, the more influence you have. You you have more influence on your city councilman. Mm-hmm. than you do on your senator, uh, than you do on your congressman, than you do on the president. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, you know, on my first reaction is, no, we're weak sheep and the government controls us and big moneyed interests uh, have ultimate control over our lives. Yeah. That's my first instinct. But I think um, that narrative is probably one that, that reduces my overall power, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and I think... Let, uh, me, let, me, let me give you an example. Just this summer alone, uh, the Kentucky legislature, Kentucky state legislature passed laws... Uh, that involved uh, charter schools. Uh, it involved religious expression in schools. Uh, this one in particular was a uh, Senate Bill 17 designed to reinforce students' constitutional right to express religious and political views in public schools. I have strong views on that one. Yeah, absolutely. Man, that was sold as a uh, as a blow to freedom of speech. If you read that bill, that is supporting freedom of speech. Now, it's supporting religious speech, but that's a protected speech and an important one to protect as well as much as i disagree with most organized religion so go on i'm sorry no that's fine here's one that i'm sure that neither you nor i nor our audience feel very strongly about house bill 14 makes it a hate crime to target police officers or other first responders here we go with hate crime i you know I, i hope that's passed completely without me knowing who's involved and i have no idea what that bill does you know all these bills are extremely important all these measures are extremely important. And, it and they happen flip. at the local level. Yeah, and it happens at the local level. It's uh, Here's a perfect for, uh, example. You said that uh, our Obamacare rollout was one of the best in the country. Um, that was under Governor Bashir. We flipped governors, and now Matt Bevin has repealed Bashir's order to restore voting rights to felons. Yeah, so sad. That's yeah. a sad day. I mean, yeah. that's... And I mean, just that quickly. Just that quickly things can flip if you don't... Uh, stay involved. I mean, I almost, I, you know, it's like I said, I, I think I meant to say this in the first episode. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. 
I was fed up with the federal election uh, for president this last year, and I actually ended up voting for Cobra Commander. Um, <laughs> Cobra. I mean, Cobra. Come on. Uh, awesome. Only one candidate in the election had a weather dominator, and that's what kind of won me over. But but the point is, but I still. And in other news, half of the country also voted for Cobra Commander. You're damn right. And he got elected. <laughs> but. Uh, uh, but I still paid really close attention to my, my city council votes, the, you know, the state legislature, the, the initiatives that were, um, you know, on for the city and stuff, ordinances, because that stuff, you, you don't ever get to just like well, pass on that. So you say get involved, but like as far as I see in, in my little bubble here in, in Lexington, Kentucky, um, the ways that we have to get involved are like protests. And, and to me... Protests have completely lost power. Um, they're just, you know, the idea is we'll get we'll get half a million people together uh, with the same voice and something will change. But you look at something like the Women's March, and there were literally half a million people there. And from what I can tell, and, and you know, bust me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. half a million people showed up. They had a, a laundry list of things that they were marching for. Uh, women's rights, immigration re- reform, healthcare reform, reproductive rights, uh, the environment, LGBTQ rights, racial equality, freedom of religion, workers' rights. These were these were the stated goals of the march. So, to me, yeah, you got five hundred thousand people together. You guys should be powerful. But that message was completely diluted, and and what changed? Right. Well, I think. I think you, I think you have a point, and and then again, I think you don't. I mean, it, it, it's somewhere in between, and I'll, and I'll tell you where I see the divide. Is I think that the the spirit of the women's march is really important, and and I think that when you say nothing changed, I think something did change that day that we may not see for a while, and I think that if we, you know, we look at the women who were out in the streets, the the people that came out to protest to support. Uh, you know, the pussy power hats and, and all that stuff. Um, I think that their intentions were in the right place. I think their hearts were in the right place. And now they've seen that when they come together, they're 500,000 strong. Like why they, is it Why is it that I hear those same voices? And I don't want to talk shit about, about the pussy marchers because that shit was yeah, awesome. Yeah. And to see 500,000 500, people out there for issues that, that I tend to agree on yeah. for the most part was was freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I have a problem when, when I don't see the direct result of half a million people coming together. And at the same time, those same people are screaming about white supremacy on the other side when there were 200, 300 marchers in Charlottesville. Well, that's, that's just the point. So you have all these people who showed that they can like, you know, come together and, and show resilience and courage in the face of adversity, you know, whether how how immediate the threat of that adversity is is up for debate but you know at least that's what they felt that's what they were responding to right sure but what happened is then you have the disconnect between them and the people on the stage right because that's who ultimately is going to set the agenda and the tone for that march and what did we get from the stage i'll admit that i didn't see every single speaker but what i did see was uh you know madonna saying that she would kill the president i saw uh, Linda Sarsour up there and, and they're spewing these politics of division and hate and Trump's going to come get you. And there's no answer 
for what are we going to do about immigration reform because we're too busy telling you that you should fear for your lives and run because of this immigration stuff that's coming. The only answer is opposition against whatever they want to do. Right. That's that's the only principle that was given on any of these issues was oppose Trump. And I think this I think this loops right back into into our previous conversation because when I look at the power dynamic here and I say how did 500,000 people gather for these issues the the true answer is that millions of dollars were spent on a coordinated social media campaign to organize those people in a specific place. This wasn't something that uh, that happened necessarily grassroots. I mean, mm-hmm. sure, the message spread, people shared it, and they liked it, but there was a huge and expensive push, mm-hmm. um, and someone hired Madonna. Right. Um, I, I don't. Well, no, maybe I, no, we need numbers she, on that. Maybe no, no, she volunteered. I, I don't know. No, she definitely volunteered. Someone, I, someone paid for the stage. Stuff. Was every yeah, piece of this... Um, there was you know, a volunteer action. I don't think so. I think there was, there was lots of money there. Mm-hmm. So we have to ask ourselves, um, you know, who is behind that and how come if the issues that were stated were the issues, well, why did those not get addressed? Right, right. Okay. So, so you've got a good point. The question is, was it, um, was it the money that was behind it dictating, Hey, you know, get together and, and do it X way, do it this way. Or is it, I, what I think is actually like a problem in the approach. I think that again, going back to our discussion of extremism, that is the approach on, on both sides is opposition. And there are no solutions in opposition. There is only the destruction of the opposition solution. There is, you know, you're not, you're not presenting anything. You're not creating anything. So if money is supporting the women's march, um, that is something that, you know, we need to know. We definitely need to know. But I have no problem with 500,000 women co-opting something that's paid for by a corporation and using it effectively. They could, it could have been used effectively. How? If, again, if the organizers would have got up there and said, hey, why don't we do this? Why don't we go home, have town meetings, town hall meetings? You know, organize in your communities, talk to each other, and let's push for this initiative. In fact, how about one speaker gets up there, all right? They had a whole day worth of speakers, right? How about one speaker gets up there and says, <clears throat> in Arkansas, these are initiatives that I think that we should look at, and and starts talking about initiatives. And, you know, people... Now, people, that's an idea I can get behind, <laughs> personally. I yeah. mean, but do you think that that we've we've lost so much that, that people's eyes would, would glaze over? I think that's, but they're already there, no, right? No, I mean, people, people's eyes, certain, some people's eyes would definitely glaze over. And if you're standing next to one of those people, you tap them on the shoulder and you say, Hey, get with it, man. I mean like that, that's what I'm getting at. Yes. No, that's the problem. Certain people's eyes will glaze over. We need to talk about that and fix that amongst ourselves because they're never going to fix it for us. I tend to agree. You know, I tend so. to agree. Um, I mean, the power of community, um, is stronger than, than almost anything. I mean, I believe that we can take back the power. I perceive that power has been taken from us as a society and put into the hands of, of large corporations. You know, maybe that's a narrative that's been told to me that I'm repeating. I will not discount that fact. Um, but I believe we can take it back. Um, I believe that the functions of our government are still worthwhile. I believe that they still work if we, if we give them 
our own power to work. If we ignore them and and we let the powers that be run amok, then sure, we're fucked. Absolutely. You know, nothing's going to happen. But I do think that as people, we can we can step to the smaller and smaller domains where we have more power over, you know, our, mm-hmm. our families, for instance, we have uh, ultimate power over, um, you know, your extended family, you have a little bit more power over them and, and, and not power in the sense, like I'm going to punch you, but power in the sense that I have your ear. Yeah. The things that I say, um, will be listened to hopefully, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, maybe more than, more than other places. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we need to retreat in. I think, I think too, it's the goal, it's the goalpost that we have, right? Because I think when you do that, when you focus on the smaller, you're, you're, you're making investments that are going to take time to pay off. Sure. So, you know, for instance, we, like I said, we were talking about the women's March. Let's, let's pause for a second and talk about Occupy Wall Street. Now, Occupy Wall Street, a lot of people feel like it just panned out into nothing. That's how I feel. I mean, yeah. I, I see nothing changed that as is, a result of that Occupy is especially Wall especially if you look nothing. at if Zero. you look at banks, you look at uh, you know nobody going to jail and all that stuff. I completely get where that's coming from, but I think Bernie Sanders' entire campaign exists because of Occupy Wall Street. I think, and and I don't even necessarily agree with Bernie Sanders all the time, but I'm I'm not saying, but I'm still not going to say that's a bad thing. Those ideas, that idea of the 1% versus the 99%, it's out there. And it's out there because of Occupy Wall Street. It's out there because- But then we elected the 1%. No, we did. So so that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's not going to happen tomorrow, especially if you focus on the small scale. Do we have the time to to sit around and, and wait for these things to come to fruition? I don't know. But what I will tell you is, why not let's go ahead and work on them so that way they're cooking. You know, like yeah, it's back no there one ever made any progress by sitting on their ass and ignoring exactly, the problem. Exactly. I mean, if so, you're gonna hike up the mountain, you you go step by step and and you take the steps that look good. Yeah, and and, and, and you you just got to be ready. It may not be an immediate reward. You know, like I said, I think the good, you know, maybe maybe the biggest good that come out of the Women's March is all those little girls seeing that and feeling like they were a part of something and and seeing like women come together and, and be strong and say, you know, and, and while I may disagree with some of the narratives and all that stuff, the, the self-confidence and the, the sense of uh, empowerment that that had to give them is, is amazing and awesome and wonderful. And sorely needed. Yeah, absolutely. Sorely needed. I mean, I have kids. I have a daughter. Um, she's just hitting middle school. I was raised in a family um, that was not real big on gender roles. I'm not real big on gender roles. Um, I I believe that that women have been systematically oppressed uh, in history. I think I think it's getting better. Mm. Um, but it is it's important for me for her to have uh, strong strong figures and and truthfully. I don't have a lot of hope. I mean, I feel like in a lot of ways we're very much primed for something straight out of a dystopian fiction novel. Um, And I think in a lot of ways as a society, we're floundering. So I struggle with this, this idea of like, how do we, how do we get past, how do we move forward? How do we take that first step? How do we raise kids to change the world for the better? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I think, I, I think, I think you're, you're right in a sense. I think we definitely, I would agree that we are dangling over the precipice and that that is a possibility, but I think, uh, and, and it has obviously been a larger theme throughout this show. You, you got to look small. I mean, I think 
if if you um, you know speak with your family with your kids, uh, you guys get on the same page, and then you, then you well not necessarily the same page. I'm not saying that you know we're not allowed to have diversity of thought, but at least uh, what we're talking about as far as injecting reason back into this, and 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 you telling your daughter and me telling my daughter that hey you are powerful, hey sure. you do have the ability to to go out there and touch others the same way I'm trying to now, and that's an effect change. That's something that in my family. Um, my home, my home family, my immediate family that, that we do, we, we're not afraid to talk politics. In fact, my, mm. my daughter is a huge fan of uh, talking about Donald Trump and, and sometimes at the most inopportune moments. And in fact, <laughs> always at the inopportune moments. I don't think we've, we, we sit down for dinner every night. I don't think there's been a single dinner conversation where she said, hey, dad, how about that Donald Trump? But yeah. for some reason, um, sitting in a Mexican restaurant... Um, wholly owned by Mexicans, uh, wholly patronized by Mexicans for the most part. Uh, we're sitting in, in the restaurant with uh, fairly full, three, four other full tables around us. And she says at the top of her lungs, out of the, out of the freaking blue, man, Donald Trump hates Mexicans. He wants to build a wall and keep the criminals out of our country. You know, and she's like, she's 10 years old. And it's just, it's just flabbergasting. So, so that told me right there, like, there's more conversations we need to have at home <laughs> yeah. because, dang, I'm just hearing about this. And, and it's, we hadn't specifically talked about Donald Trump, but politics come up every now and again. You know, my wife and I talk, things happen. But since that point, there's been this, this really clear push to, like, yeah. to talk about these issues. And, and I think it's hard because there's part of me that's, like, that's afraid. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid that, that some of my political opinions... Um, are viewed to be as divisive or something. Uh, I'm afraid she that she may say something wrong to a teacher and child services will knock on my door. You know, whether that's yeah. a valid fear or not, I, I don't think so. When I yeah. analyze it, I go, eh, chances are, are nil. But but that still itches at me. It You know, it's there in the back of my mind. No, I, I think... Uh I, you know, it's a little bit different for me with my daughter right now. She, she's focusing more, uh, thankfully, thank God, on uh, like historical presidents. We talk about Abraham Lincoln. Oh, you don't say. And stuff. Hey, man, wasn't my fault. Uh, <laughs> historical conversations at the Lanter household. Hey, huh? you know, it, it worked out. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, so, so it hasn't uh, come up like the more, you know, Trump and, and more topical things. But my, I don't know, maybe it's because of the way I was raised, like I discussed uh, in a previous episode, or maybe, um, or, or it's, you know, I'm afraid to influence her. Like, I definitely want her to, you know, form her own opinions. But I'm very much so um, waiting for her to come to me, but I also haven't been thrust into the spotlight. <laughs> well, in, just in understand of a, of a, of a that if you're not, if you're not influencing her, someone is because, yeah. because she had heard these things, uh, from school and she uh-huh. goes to a very diverse school and I mean, very, very diverse school. One of the most diverse schools in Lexington. Uh-huh. Um, and she hears voices from a lot of different places and, and these kids, are all parroting their parents. Let's be honest. Yeah, um, yeah. And some of them are watching YouTube videos and and getting opinions from from PewDiePie and yeah. you know, whoever these guys are. Um, yeah, I, I don't think there's too many uh, sixth graders too focused on the uh, the financial implications of the wall, though. So that's, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. so what this conversation has shifted to in our house is is about 
uh, a greater responsibility um, to understand the things that are coming out of your mouth and to speak with purpose and, you know, not just parrot what other people say. Mm -hmm. But I guess my point is if we are not talking with our children in our homes about these issues, someone else is talking to them about those issues. And if you have any desire um, or any belief uh, in an issue, like share that, share that with your family Mm -hmm. Um, and and accept their dissent. You know, I think there's this classic... um, this this classic role of the teenage kids being uh you know being the rebels well yeah may, maybe listen to them yeah yeah maybe listen to them you know a lot of times that voice is uh is an appropriate voice well, it and, it, loud. and it may be something that that uh you know i i wouldn't be surprised if my teenage daughter uh ends up hitting me with stuff that, that got ground out of me and makes me you know think about it again you know like stuff ideas that maybe you know that i entertain like for what what i would call fanciful notions and and let's look at that again you know i mean right. i i, I Damn it, I don't know why we can't have ice cream all day on Monday, but let's talk about it. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm making a joke there, but I mean, seriously, like sometimes those crazy far-fetched ideas, I mean, that could touch off, you know, who knows, a number of other things. That's really true. I, I do think uh, you're, you're completely right about um, the importance of having those conversations. And to tell you the truth, I don't know why I never made the connection because I did know, I do know that there's research out there that shows um, how much better off uh, the, the kids generally end up being if you talk to them early about sex and stuff. And I think, uh, you know, I think in my case, like I, I have it in my head that it's not important to her yet. And that's, you know, that's kind of why I was waiting on her to come to me. But by the time it is, by the it's time too it's late. Important. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. Right. Exactly. That's right. No, that's a good point. We just we just had the sex talk at my house again. In oh. fact, uh, I don't remember what came up, but uh my son, something he said made it abundantly clear. Yeah. Like all the things we've talked about, and we've sat him down. He's got the book, you know. Yeah. We've read the book with him. Something made it abundantly clear that he was totally clueless. So I had to sit down. I was like penis, vagina, sperm, testicles, yeah. uh, you know, fertilization, eggs, the, mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. And, and he was, you know, he was flabbergasted. He was mind blown. Like he'd never heard this stuff before. So I think it's important not only to do it early, but to do it often and and to normalize the hard discussions. And not that sex yeah. is on the level with politics, but man, as far as hard discussions go, yeah, those are two two of the yeah. hardest, you know. To no, have. we uh, we uh, definitely, you know, when, when my daughter started her cycle, and and even now, like you know, there's already, things, there's yeah. Oh God, it's coming any day for mine. Yeah, yeah. oh yeah, man. Holy shit. And uh, and it's and it's uh, it's a girl issue. Like we we have established that. So she'll be upset or something and, you know, and, and I'm not thinking about it. And I'm like, Hey, you know, what's, what's going on? You okay? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, are, are you, are you sure everything's cool? And then it'll hit me and I'll be like, girl issue. And she'll be like, yes, it's a girl issue. So then, so then I back away and, you know, I give her a little bit and then I'm like, Hey, do you want to talk about it? And, you know, and eventually she comes around, but we do have like this little code for her boundaries because she, uh, would very much so rather talk about that with her mom, and um, she'd probably I'm, rather her dad not talk about it on e- exactly, on exactly. So, so yeah, yeah, you got a point, but uh, I, she's probably not going to listen to the show. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Um, not this episode now. You know, right, <laughs> so, right. But uh, but we'll anyway, yeah. So um, yeah. So we we've established that, and we're able to 
get through those sticky situations. And we are still able to talk about it, but when she doesn't want to, we, we most assuredly do not, you know, right. I, I, I never force it on her. And I think that's important too, because then you're just driving away. Then you get into that. Now we have the rebellious teenager out of spite. It's, it's not beliefs anymore, <laughs> you know? So, so that's something to, to definitely pay attention to. As well. Yeah. I, I think it's really important to, uh, to be honest with the people who are closest to you. Um, and that way we get feedback about, about our behavior. Um, I think we've lost honesty in this society and, and I'm getting all, you know, I'm getting all broad and, and metaphysical here, but church, uh, <laughs> not quite. Um, but I, but I really think that, that being a parent is hard and a lot of those hard spots can be navigated by falling back on honesty. And we say, you know, it's hard, but just, just be honest about it. Tell, tell our kids what you think about Donald Trump. Tell your kids uh, what you think about abortion. Tell your kids mm-hmm. what you think about birth control, what you think about crime rates. Um, because these kids are going to be the next generation. They're going to be leading us yeah. uh, into the future. We're, we're going to be, you know, at their teat. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the roles will be reversed. And I, I think, I think too, like, <clears throat> you know, you, you touched on kind of like the, the, the big grander image of it. And I mean, you, you do, you almost have to get a little sentimental. Like it it really is, you know, it it is about like being honest and, and it really is about, um, togetherness. I think, you know, you were talking about how as parents we've made our, uh, our job harder. And I think that's because we've sort of undercut ourselves. Like we've, we've taken away some of the tools that we used to have. Uh, My entire family, um, was fully capable of jumping my shit. When I was a kid, uh, my aunt, I can remember one time, uh, actually it was, it was the day that, uh, we moved to Florida when I was five and it was the last time I was ever going to see her. And I got real caught up in the fact that, uh, I, my toy guns were not packed in the correct box or something. I needed to be able to get to them very soon. As soon as we got to Florida and protection. So she was like, <laughs> she was tearfully trying to hug me. And, and say goodbye, because I was moving, like, two states away, and I'd lived with her for, for, you know, a period of time. Like, she lived with my mom and my grandparents and me. And and I was more concerned about the guns, and she, like, you know, flipped on me. She was like, pay attention. Right. This is important. And, I mean, she got up in my shit, you know. Right. And, and I think beyond that, your neighbor used to whoop your ass. Yeah. I mean, yeah. as a kid, if you were running down the street and you were doing wrong, the neighbor might come, come out, grab you by the collar... Uh-huh. And lift you up and discipline you. I, I think we, I mean, there's no argument. We've totally lost that nowadays. We, oh, we're, you, dude, you can't even, you can't even comment on the way somebody else raises their kids because right. you're judging. That's right. And, you know, it may lead to uh, physical violence. Yeah. Or insults. Yeah. I mean, here we are back to, back to the idea that we're, that we're all just acting like children. Clearly, clearly there, there's a line, right? Like if you, you know, ball up your fist and punch my kid in the mouth, I'm going to screw you up. Of course. You know, but, <laughs> but, but at the same time, like I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with, you know, like you were talking about running down the street and the neighbor, you know, grabbing you and saying something to you. I wish like, my neighbors would. Yeah. And yeah, I hope they do. Absolutely. I'm okay with that because eventually she's going to come back home and I'm going to talk to her and That's she right. interacts with me every we'll day. We'll clarify and if the there misunderstandings was wrong, that happened. Exactly. Yeah. We can fix that. But in the immediate, like, man, that is a big time set. You know, that helps so, me so much. You so know? where does this come from? I mean, I think 
part of it is our litigious society. You don't mm. want to get involved with someone's kids because they might sue, they might call the cops on you, who knows what they might threaten you with. Um, but I think what dominates that most is this idea that your neighbors are something to be feared, that yeah. the people around us are actually dangerous to us and our children. Um, we feel like there's a kidnapper around every corner ready to snatch our kid up. Mm-hmm. But the truth is crime rates have dramatically fallen and continue to dramatically fall. We are safer in America than we've ever been. Um, I've got random statistics here. Uh, from 91 to 2016, the murder rate fell by roughly half from 9.8 killings per 100,000 to 5.3. And this is published by the Brennan Center. I don't know. You know, go look them up. See if they're legit. I, I don't know. Um, I found tons of other statistics that said exactly the same thing. There's some outliers. We got Chicago, Detroit murder rates are, are up. Um, there's other places where there've been small increases, but overall the decline is, is roughly the same. You're half as likely to get murdered now as in 1991. Where is this idea that our neighbors are, are someone dangerous? Is it ideological? No, I think I think we have a tendency to uh, to panic, you know, as people. I think um, if if you think about, it, you know, it's like you said, there are outliers. There's Chicago and and there's Detroit, and these these are definitely. I mean, Chicago, man, these these are definitely things that that we need to work on and need to be addressed. But we see that and we're hit with it, and we get panicky and we assume that it's happening in Des Moines, Idaho, or Des Moines, Iowa. You know, it's not 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 Idaho. Sorry, I didn't mean to disrespect <laughs> the good people of Des Moines, but um, but yeah. So so all of a sudden, we we immediately assume that the, you know this is happening everywhere. This is the worst it's ever been. I can remember the outright hysteria when little Adam Walsh uh, got he was he was kidnapped and murdered not far from where I lived in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Um, back in the eighties, and I remember. My mom, uh, you know, uh, we go to uh, uh, Sears, I think it was, and you could go upstairs and, and they'd have a Super Nintendo. And I'd be like, let me go upstairs and play Super Nintendo while you shop. And she was mm-hmm. like, not in your life, Buster. And, and you know, and uh, I had to get my picture taken like mugshot style when I was in elementary school. That was school a privilege I was allowed. You know, yeah. I yeah. love that. was my favorite part. We're going to Sears, baby? Yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. They got the new Star Tropics yeah, over there. Oh, got that we Star Fox. Man, I'm telling you. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, so that's that's what it, it, like it slowly sets on as a panic, and now it's it's fear, and yeah, like you said, uh, the the rates are dropping. I mean, the actual rates of like you know kids being abducted and stuff, it happens. It's something that you need to be careful for. But do we need to mugshot and and fingerprint children? I mean, the fingerprints thing is kind of helpful, but well, just the whole process was bizarre to me. Well, we see a directly opposite correlation, where where as as society has gotten safer, as crime has dropped, we've become more fearful of crime. Right, right. And that to me is indicative. If, if we are thinking, feeling human beings walking around, uh, absorbing the world and making judgments on the world, that judgment ought to affect uh, that, that data about the world ought to affect our judgment of the world back at it. Right. Instead, we have this complete other view and, and, and it comes back to, you know, social media and the narrative that that we're being pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to get into the reasons why. That's next yeah. show. We're going to directly talk about the press, um, oh, what boy. they do, uh, what they've the, the history, what they've been doing, what they will continue to do. Swiggity um, swooty. What we like about it, what we don't like about it. But I think we all need to retreat 
into our own personal bubbles outside of social media. And that's not to say turn off your phone. That's not, it's not going to happen. Um, but I'd like us all to focus on the relationships that are closest to us and really examine the people around us for who they are. And I mean, your neighbors go, go outside, talk to them, go, go have a barbecue with, with your neighborhood uh, put flyers out. Don't be afraid that John from Three Houses Up is going to be in your backyard. Um, talk, talk to people at the store. Like when you're at the store, right. you know, talk to people like genuinely. Like, you know, just, hey, how you doing? Encourage that 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 openness with, with strangers and stuff. I think that's th- th- those are the best parts of America. I yeah. mean, when, when, I was, when I was very young and, you know, Schoolhouse Rocks and the Great American Melting Pot, hmm. that was the idea I was sold. And, and you know what? I'm a consumer, and either I want my money back <laughs> or I want the product I paid for. So, yeah, you know, let's start moving in, in those directions. Yeah. No, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, that, is, uh, that is almost going to bring episode three to a close for the Sense and Theory podcast. However, uh, we do have a new segment uh, that we are unveiling with this episode. We are obviously two very uh, human people prone to mistakes and errors. But Never. luckily... Luckily, we have Beanzo on the case. That's right. Uh, Beanzo, what did we screw up today? Well, guys, there was a couple of things you screwed up on. Uh, for one, Theory said freedom in speech. Buddy, it's freedom of speech, okay? He also stated that Sean King writes for the New York Times, when in actuality, it's the New York Daily News. Sorry. Damn. Good try. And then since said... They asked for records from a somewhat anti-Trump website. Buddy, that website was the organizers for the anti-Trump march. Sorry, it was 100% anti-Trump. Shortly after that, there he stated that Madonna said she wanted to kill the president. What she really said is that she wanted to blow up the White House. I mean, come on, man. This is supposed to be fact-based journalism. Get it together. In theory, it was a valiant effort. I know you tried to cover up your mistake, but Des Moines is actually in Iowa, not Idaho. Nice try, buddy. Nothing gets by old Beanzo. Well, thank you, Beanzo. That was uh, that was thoroughly humiliating. Um, so I guess uh, that wraps us up for today, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. And uh, I don't guess there's anything else to add, huh? I really like Taylor Swift. Hey folks, I'm Sense, one half of the Sense of Theory podcast. I'd like to take a second to thank you for listening. Uh, It's your time and attention that makes this show worthwhile. Uh, We do the show for you and our listeners. Um, I'd ask you to leave a review, good or bad, on iTunes. Uh, Come check us out on the various social media channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find the links uh, in the description to the show. And uh, if you want to reach out with a comment, uh, joke, uh, funny anecdote, uh, you want to call me an idiot, uh, senseoftheorypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Thanks again, folks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.